everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I am loving this. You got ten! Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny. Hey, moviegoers. You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Vengeance and... Hockey pants <laughs> and and lozenges and Batman 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 <laughs> Batman. <laughs> What's what does he say in the Dark Knight when he's when he's roughing up the Joker? Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? This <laughs> <laughs> is growling. <laughs> <laughs> every every time he sees Commissioner Gordon in the first half of the movie, he's like, Harvey Dent, can we trust him? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I told you like 10 times, disappeared, not even stick around for the answer. Gordon's like, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> you watched The Dark Knight after you watched this, right? I did. All right. So, uh, hey, everybody. It's actually Sky. Um, spoiler alert. I am not Vengeance. <laughs> What are you then? Oh, you're scandal. <laughs> That's what you are. I'm, I'm scandal. <laughs> I, I beat. I, I show up to save somebody from a mugging. They're like, "Who are you supposed to be?" And I'm like, "I'm scandal." I'm scandal. I pull my dick out, and they all run away. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> They're like, "He is scandalous." His <laughs> battering. Yeah, my bat symbol is just like a big cock in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> you just jam it in a searchlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually have to have my commissioner Gordon. Like he has, yeah. to, it's a regular light, but he has to put his digging balls in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that digging balls from anywhere. <laughs> That's my friend Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> what a sweet package. I got to go meet him on a rooftop. <laughs> I'm horny. <laughs> I got the signal. Let's fuck this pig. <laughs> Yeah, the signal to fuck. <laughs> Instead of Robin, I have my assistant's or my sidekick's name is Throbin. Yeah, he's Throbin. Yeah, Throbin. <laughs> and then you got to get the red hood in, involved, right? Oh, the red hood. Yeah, he's his costume. And he's just like a giant clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nightwing, more like tight thing. Yeah. Word. The Riddler, more like the diddler. <laughs> Joker, more like the poker. Oh, I was going to say poker. <laughs> <laughs> beat you. You beat normally, me. Normally you're the more witty one, but I beat you this time. You beat me to that fucking killer croc, more like killer cock. <laughs> 
Um, what else we got? Um, dead shot, more like cum shot. <laughs> oh, cum shot, my arch nemesis. He's your arch nemesis. <laughs> yeah, my arch nemesis, cum shot. He's tried to kill me so many times. <laughs> um, fucking. Yeah, I'm running out. I'm running out of steam. We should probably stop that anyways. <laughs> okay. But but yeah, I saw the Batman. You saw the Batman. We're going to review the Batman. So I watched the Batman twice in theaters. And in between those two viewings, I rewatched The Dark Knight. Because, mm-hmm. of course, when you see a new Batman movie, the first thing people say is, is it as good as The Dark Knight? How does it stack up? And I, we'll, we'll get there. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode. But I needed to be able to make my decision. Is it better than The Dark Knight? So I couldn't say without rewatching The Dark Knight. So, yeah, I did watch that again very recently. Mm-hmm. What a good mm-hmm. movie. Oh, it's amazing. I think, you know, even even uh, I'm not going to, you know, put this in in uh, like this film in, in consideration with this. I think that The Dark Knight is the best superhero movie ever made. Then that's like above Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, it, that's the thing is it's just like, it's really difficult because people are like, is it as good as the dark Knight?" And it's like, the dark Knight is probably the best superhero movie ever made. So it's like, is it better than every other movie ever made ever? <laughs> and it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You will not be happy unless it clears a very tall bar. Right. Yeah. It's tough. It is tough. And, um, you know, that's what we're here to do. We're here to dissect and get into and answer the tough questions because we are, you know, we're, we might not be the heroes that you need right now, but we're the heroes you deserve or however it goes. We're the podcasters you deserve. Yeah. Where's the podcast? <laughs> Where is it? Where's my AirPods? Who wants to listen? <laughs> Dude, I was talking recently about how... Like, okay, Morbius, right? So Hmm. you got Jared Leto, who's an Oscar-winning actor, and not one of those Oscars where you're just like, how the hell did he walk away with that one? One where it's like, damn, yeah, that was fucking awesome. Like, Dallas Buyers Club was woof, man. That was a good movie and some stellar performances. And then you're like, damn, Jared Leto is a really good actor. But is he? (laughs) Is he? Because he's been in more shit than he's been in good. And he makes very wild over-the-top character choices. So with that in mind, I'm starting to feel weird about Tom Hardy. Mm. And we talked about this in in Venom. And it's, um, yeah, he's, he's done a little bit more disappointing stuff recently. And then I'm like looking back and I'm just like, Dark Knight Rises is cool, but like, what the fuck are the accent choices that he makes so many wild accent choices, like, and inconsistently, like, look at how he speaks as Eddie Brock and Venom, like trying to play a New Yorker. And I don't know what's going on there. (laughs) But also, like, why do you talk like that as Bane? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, comic book fans. You know, I'm a Marvel guy. DC's not really my bag. But if I remember correctly, um, Bane is a luchador. Yeah. Which means he is a Mexican man. Mm-hmm. Why does he talk like this? 
I will say, I don't like, don't understand. I don't know. Um, I don't know why the accents there, but I do know why they used Bane. Um, I mean, did you know that or no? I don't know why I they used say. Bane, they, but I'm more so like, why? What was his style choice for Bane? I under, I can understand using a character like Bane. Yeah, he basically like the Dark Knight Rises was supposed to have the Joker in it again. And and Heath Ledger, you know, tragically passed away. And uh, Christopher Nolan was very close to Heath Ledger. So basically he was like, I can't even like bring myself to do a character that's even like remotely close to like what the Joker brings. And he's like, I got to do something like the complete opposite. So they picked Bane because Bane's more of like less of like a strategic mastermind type thing. And he's much more of like an aggressor and like like a like a heavyweight. Um, yeah. And so, like, but again, like, with all of his movies, they're grounded to a point. Like, they're, I mean, at least compared to, like, the previous Batman movies we got, the Christopher Nolan movies are much more grounded. So I think he's like, I want to use Bane because of, like, what that character is. Not necessarily, like, bring him in as this giant Lucha Lador thing that's, like, shot up with, like, Venom or whatever. But, uh, right. So, I, so I mean... I don't know what the accent's about, but that's why that character is that way. And I'm assuming they wanted to just tone the character down from what the comic book is. Um, but yeah, it's actually, I put on rises and I hadn't watched rises in a while, but, uh, just from watching it, like so many times when it came out, I put it on and like the whole, like first scene of that movie with the plane, which one is an awesome scene. And then I was just sitting there and I'm like, I remember literally all of these lines because I feel like, some of our friends were just saying them on repeat, like, well, perhaps you're wondering why you should shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. <laughs> then, yeah. There's all these other, me and Brandon say I broke you all the time. Um, yeah. I wonder but, what would break first, your spirit or your body? That's a good one. <laughs> I always think of the, uh, the, every, anytime, anytime, if I'm near, if I'm near a pair of panties, guess what? It's a Bane mask. <laughs> and uh and i'll put it on and i'll be like i'll always be like uh you merely adopted the shadows <laughs> i was born in them <laughs> no, you should have do the one where nobody cared who i was before i put on the mask oh that'd be good <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so we're idiots but we're here to review batman <laughs> yeah exactly but uh before we before we get into it i just I just wanted to ask, because I care about my co-host. How how have you been, sir? I feel like the Swampies haven't heard enough of how we are. Mm. Right, they probably don't care either. But they probably, uh, I don't know. Some of them care. We get messages every once in a while. Be like, hey, hope you guys aren't dead. Uh, when's the next it's episode true. coming yeah. out? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, hey, sorry, we are dead. But a uh, new episode will be out next week. <laughs> coming out from the grave. Ooh, we should do an episode from Beyond the Grave for like Halloween. That would be, be really spooky. That'd be cool. <laughs> Maybe we can pay like some doctor. Oh, you know a doctor. Maybe they can kill us for like, you know, just about two hours so we could record and then bring us back to life. Yeah. Can you just stop my heart for like, like one to two hours? <laughs> Honestly, you know, we joke, but. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Like if we were like desperate on our last rope, trying to do anything just to get the, get more traction on the podcast, sort of a last resort, so to speak. Yeah. I would let someone cut my life into pieces. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that. 
You know, say what you will about how stupid and memey that song is. That riff is pretty tight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, how have you been? <laughs> <laughs> That's about how I've been. Okay. Um, I've been, I've been good. I've been good. I've been working, busy boy. Uh, actually, just got back uh, a little while ago from a, a scholastic book fair at, at uh, Logan's Elementary School. So, with the parents got to go choose. You know, you can just send them in with a check or cash. Um, or you can go and shop with them. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to shop with them. I want to go to a book fair. Uh, man, book fairs were so much cooler when I was a kid. Oh, no. Because it was like in the library. It was just like, I don't know, just look different. This was like in a hallway with a bunch of like metal racks with books on them. I was like, this is sterile. <laughs> also, the books aren't as cool. Um, what was funny was uh, a kid runs up to his teacher. I'm standing online with Logan and, uh, and his mother is with us. So we're all, you know book fairing it up and this kid runs up to the teacher who's standing nearby and the little kid's just like it's like there's a book over there that's written by john cena and then she's like that's great and he's like yeah and just runs away <laughs> and i was just like i was like that kid is me when i was a kid i was like this book has a wrestler on it <laughs> correct that's what i want when i went to the book fair as a kid i would only get like you know a racer shaped like dinosaurs yeah. And then any book, because I grew up in the 90s and the animated series is on at the time, any book about X-Men or Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> I loved Shaq. I loved Shaq. You know, I actually wrote a song about it. Um, and it was called Love Shaq. And uh, it ended up being recorded and played by the B-52s. They did change the spelling, which um, I thought was a, a poor a creative choice because it, it really does change the narrative of the song. They were singing about a location for love and I was singing about my um, affection and affinity towards Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. So I got some gripes there. Um, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's something for another day. Am I right? <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, I'm going to ask this question, but I know the answer. I don't think we've talked about it on the show yet. What's new with you, Colin? Oh, oh man. Twerking? Twerking my life mm -hmm. away. And mm -hmm. I did get engaged. Whoa, flabbergasted. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Radical, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. We we went to Colorado. You know, we uh we me, my brothers, uh my brother's wife and Brianna and we rented out this stupidly nice uh like house kind of up in the mountains it was like a cabin but it was it yeah. actually slept 16 people when there was five of us and uh wow like each of each one of us had kind of like a master bedroom there was a there was a theater room like with like stadium seating kind of like movie theater seats in oh, it yeah the dream it was yeah it was awesome and uh yeah no uh proposed proposed there it was it was really nice having everyone together and uh yeah have a family with you yeah, we did some some outdoorsy stuff. We skied. We uh, which I was in ski club in high school, and I skied like a little bit in like college, and I hadn't done it in probably like eight years. I forgot how strenuous skiing is, especially if you like don't regularly use some of those muscles. And like me and my brother Brand, we hadn't skied in a while. Ryan snowboards like every weekend, so he's he's in mm -hmm. shape. But we were like. 
we, we literally were like, let's go skiing in Colorado where it's like the highest altitude. And we like went to the top of the mountain and then we're like, oh shit, this is intense. We probably shouldn't have done this, but, uh, it was too much, but, uh, no, nah, it was a good time. And, uh, trying to think, man. Oh man. We can't talk about this too much right now, but this isn't really anything to do with me other than the fact that it made me cream that Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. I am so stoked mm. for that show. Good trailer. I, yeah, I really want to see that. I finally watched Book of Boba Fett. Nice. Um, I still haven't watched Moon Knight, though. Need to get to that. I watched the first episode the other night of Moon Knight, and uh, I was digging it. I think the next episode's out today, right? This is episode two? Yeah. They were yeah. recording? Yeah. I, uh, I like having a couple episodes in the tank before <clears throat> I start watching it. I did that with Hawkeye. Like I think the first three or four episodes were out, so like half the season was already out. Yeah. And then I started watching it. Because it, it takes me about a week or two to get through. I, I can't just sit there and watch that many episodes at once. Mm-hmm. We, or I think I mentioned on the podcast before that I tend to enjoy The Mandalorian better if I can binge it. Um, just because every episode feels like very isolated the first time you watch it, especially that first season. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I couldn't get through Hawkeye. I had, like, I've only watched the first couple episodes and it's stuff has been spoiled for me. Um, and then Halo, I started the Halo show and I watched the first episode. I think there's two more episodes out now and I'm like, oh good, I'll binge them. But also I was just like, that show kind of sucked. So do I even want to do it? Um, I'll tell you though, Moon Knight, like watch the, the first episode. Um, I'm digging it a lot and it's, it's really cool because there's a lot of, a lot of questions, I guess, like not like necessarily confused. I think, I've read that a lot of people are confused, but I think it's because they don't know the character and, um, th- you know, yeah. a lot of it's coming from that. And this is the first time this character showed up, but, um, yeah, definitely, you know, it's different. I fucking love the look of the character, like in the costume, like in the show, it looks so good. Mm-hmm. And, um, Hey man, I'm not gonna be able to binge Obi-Wan though. I'm gonna have to watch every episode when it comes out. And, uh, similar to like these Marvel shows and, and stuff like that. I am so stoked on what they're doing with Star Wars because so much of what they're doing now is pulling from like comic books, the video games like this. If you haven't played it, there's a Star Wars video game called Fallen Order that came out maybe like three years ago. Yeah, the show is probably going to take a lot from that game, but there are scenes in that trailer that are like pulled straight out of the comics like that shot in the trailer where Luke is like pretending to fly the the, like it looks like a pod racer, I think in in the uh the comics he's he's flying a different ship but that's like right out of the comics and there's a bunch of other cool stuff like you watch boba fett so blacker satan is in in the uh the show and he's got like that Mm -hmm. that um scar across his eye and obi-wan gave him that scar in the journal of obi-wan kenobi like blacker Satan went to tatooine i think to find luke at one point or or to find obi-wan kenobi so it's just like really cool stuff where they're like they're actually continuing um Stuff that like the the super nerds were doing. the stuff that me and you get really excited about for uh for you know the MCU, which I just in general I think they're applying a what a lot of what they've learned from the MCU to Star Wars, and I'm uh I mean you know me I'm a big Star Wars fan, so I'm super excited for it. Yeah, yeah, dude. I uh, you know I, I love Star Wars. I well I shouldn't say I love Star Wars. I have loved Star Wars. Um, the shows are are great. I really enjoy the shows. The movies have been less so. Actually, um, 
some channel when I was at work was on and they were playing the uh, new trilogy uh, back to back to back. And it was a long day I was working. So I got to watch most of the three. You know, I watched like I caught it in the 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 middle of Awakens and I watched to about the first 15 minutes of um, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, actually, I think I watched the whole thing because I remember. Yeah, I watched Ray die and then. I mean, I know what happened. Spoilers, I guess. But I watched Ray die, <laughs> and then and then we stopped. We turned it off. You know, we, we're going too long on Star Wars, but there's things in the Book of Boba Fett, and it just seems like what they're doing with the Obi-Wan Kenobi show to a degree. Kathleen Kennedy, who's like in charge of Star Wars, apparently the script for Episode Nine was supposed to be a lot different and a lot better, And but apparently it referenced a lot of stuff from prequels, and she was like, no, like... We can't show anything from the prequels. People hate those films. And uh, so they change stuff around. And but I was talking to like my brothers and like my friend Russell about this, like there's plenty of things in the prequels that people love. Like episode one is not a great movie on its own, but the pod race scene is amazing. Duel mm-hmm. of Fates is amazing. Like mm-hmm. there are things in these movies that people really love. And especially like, I think it was episode five, the first episode that Mando shows up in the book of Boba Fett had so many prequel references to it. And it was like the first time that it felt like they weren't like ashamed of the prequels that they were just like embracing, like this is the story. And, um, so I don't know. I feel like they're, they're finally getting it. Like, you know, do things not for the image, but for like what the fans like. And, um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. Like, and also, those those sequel trilogy movies suck. There's a there's a rumor that apparently there's going to be something in it that's going to retcon something that people really hate about them. Huh. But uh, I don't know. I, I, we we we're going too long on Star Wars. But yeah, it's uh I think Star Wars is in a good spot right now. I'm excited for Taika's movie and uh, Patty Jenkins' movie if that's still happening. So hell yeah, Trailer Park. <laughs> I was 100% listening, but you're right. We were going long. So I'm like, you know what? As soon as you're done talking, we're in it. Uh, what are we talking today, dude? Uh, you, you know me. Well-researched, well-prepared, very well. Sometimes, you know, it's a common a common critique of our show, Colin. I don't know if you know this, is um, sometimes I'm too prepared. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, everybody says it. Everyone's like, damn, he's... He's too ready for anything. He is on his A game constantly. Makes me feel really small, bad about myself because I'm such a I'm such a little dick piece of shit in comparison to just how prepared and ready uh Sky is on Two Dudes Movie Reviews, mm-hmm. my favorite movie review podcast hosted by two dudes who tell dick jokes for 90% of its runtime. Yeah. And um, we are nailing it in that category, by the way. Everybody says it. <laughs> and uh, and as well, everybody says this, that I am so prepared that I never misstep. I am always, I'm not always there when you call, but I am always on time. Yeah. And I gave you my all. So baby, be mine. I think those are the words. <laughs> so when you ask me, a question, a low ball question, a low, you know, one of these, these questions that may or may not insinuate 
that I know what I'm talking about. Oh, I got it. It's the Northman. <laughs> I was going to say, we strap for time, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I couldn't think of it. I mean, I knew it. Um, I couldn't think of, um, you know, English is a second language for me. So sometimes w- certain words escape me. I was like, how you say the Northmen? <laughs> yeah, man, the Northmen. Now, this movie's coming out real soon. Like, But we really wanted to do this because... You know, before we even get into the trailer, we are really excited about this movie. We were really excited about this movie before the trailer even came out. Just the fact that Robert Eggers was making another movie. I think we both thought that the like the Viking aesthetic and time period he was going to crush. And yep, he loves he loves working with movies that are like of a certain time period and with areas that have its own sort of dialect and he you could tell he really likes you know using different ways of speaking like unique ways of speaking that you don't hear anymore Mm -hmm. like you see in the lighthouse like you see in the witch yeah so this is just another one along those lines and i think also like they were also you know one of the big draws because again we knew what the you know what the time period was what the vibe was and then they started saying like yeah um anya taylor joys in this movie and uh, Alexander Skarsgård and uh, Willem Dafoe and Nicole Kidman and yeah. Ethan Hawke. And we we're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, yeah, like, wow. Also, like, yeah, because if you look at the cast lists on his first two movies, it's very slim. Very slim. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously Anya Taylor-Joy was in The Witch. Willem Dafoe was in uh, um, The Lighthouse. But yeah, like, you know, you're getting which one. It's awesome that these like. A-list actors want to come back. It means that he's a great director. It means that they love working with him. Um, but, it, yeah. you know, word is probably getting around that, like, his movies, one, are excellent. Two, he's a phenomenal director, so people want to work with him. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was I was so stoked when I saw the cast. And um, also just, Willem Dafoe is having, like, he's having just a, a moment right now. Like, you think of all the, the, the shit he's been in recently, like, this and Spider-Man and Nightmare Alley and he's in the French Dispatch uh-huh. and um, the Lighthouse. Like he's been in so many good things lately. Um, oh yeah, I mean he's always been great, but I just feel like recently, especially like bigger projects, because I didn't like Aquaman, but like he's in he's been in two comic book movies in the last like few years. Um, just feel like there's a little bit of a the Willem Dafoe Renaissance. He's the Florida Project, which I think he was nominated for, but. Yeah, yeah. No, he's oh yeah, dude. I mean, he's always been great, but yeah, you're right. Like he's just showing up everywhere and just knocking it out of the park left and right. He's so cool. I love Willem Dafoe. Yeah. But do you want to do you want to hop into this so we can talk a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. Let's go for it. Now, behold, he's here. Yeah, right out the gate, I I really like this this look and this vibe. Mm-hmm. So creepy, so weird. I'm getting getting shades of um, the lighthouse, especially when it comes to certain like camera movements and like these close ups on like their faces and things. Yeah, the close ups especially.
love that this is also like I feel like his first two movies were a little bit more like psychological or um just like low-key in general um this looks like it's gonna be a little more like actiony um yeah more of an epic yeah definitely and very interested how he's gonna do with that for your enemies it does make so we should also mention this is the you know he's only done two movies before this but they were both with a24 this one is not with a24 so yeah you have a bigger cast i think he probably was able to get a bigger budget and he probably needed that for what he wanted to do here so i can see watching this trailer i could understand oh this is so cool uh huh. <laughs> it's fucking slick that is just so so badass fucking catches a spear coming at them and just fucking grabs it and then spins it around throws it right back like badass yeah you see like there's this this is really trippy stuff going on i bet you there's gonna be like some like kind of witchcrafty like mystical stuff which obviously he's good at and oh this movie looks awesome dude yeah i, I can't can't get over just how excited i am to see this yeah we're we're both really stoked like this is I would say is definitely going to be an episode on the show, but we, uh, going back to what you said with like the witchcraft, I think there is going to be some element of that. It looks like there's a couple of characters early on that they show around like one minute or 50 seconds that definitely look like they're, you know, falling into that, that, that witchery, the witchcraft vibe. But, um, the one thing I will say there's, I think there's going to be some scenes that are more like psychedelic and trippy because there was an interview with, I think it was Alexander scars art and, he was like, yeah, there's this scene where like me and Willem Dafoe basically have to like take some like hallucinogenic drug and get naked. And he was like, man, if there's one person in the world that you want to get naked with and pretend to be tripping, it is Willem Dafoe. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, <laughs> this movie's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, Honestly, there's not much you could say to sell me more on it. But then anytime something comes out, I'm just like, yeah, I want to see it even more now. Somehow yeah. it keeps getting more, even better and better, like the anticipation and the excitement. I I find it hard to believe that it won't live up to expectations. I think Robert Eggers, for only having two movies under his belt, really, with The Witch and The Lighthouse, has... I mean, he's... I love those two movies a lot. I'm actually wearing a lighthouse shirt right now. Oh, cool. And, um, and you know, I, I'm just a really big fan of his and not just does he make cool and interesting movies, but the craft behind his films, his work behind the camera and his, you know, the scores to his movies, the, the tone and everything like it all, it all comes together and, not only hits on a on a high level because of how skilled he is, but hits on a level personally for me, uh, speaking to my tastes. Yeah. And now venturing into like this kind of like Viking uh, world. And like we said, the, you know, a different different time period than we've seen him work with, but working with like, you know, different different like languages and dialects and things like that. And and even uh, he co-wrote this with somebody who is actually uh, like Swedish or something who actually has, you know, more of that, that Norse lineage in them. So I'm sure part of that was for, to help with the language, to help with, um, the history of like the area that they're talking about and stuff. So mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of authenticity in this, yeah. which doesn't surprise me from yeah. him. 
the uh, the other person who co co wrote this movie with him. I have no idea. It's like Sion or something. But <laughs> I was just butchering his name. But he wrote Lamb, which came out last year. I don't even know if you ever went and saw Lamb. But uh, oh no, I didn't get to see it. Yeah, he's from he's from Iceland though. Um, the one thing that I was gonna say just that I'm also really stoked about that is or about this movie. Um, you know, he, he's already proven that his cinematography, like his vision and his shot composition is like amazing. And he was nominated or, you know, the cinematographer for his movie was nominated for um, cinematography on the lighthouse, which is basically just a movie that takes place in like one small close quarter location. So like on this film, he's taking all of, you know, this, all of that great composition and, and experience he's gotten, but applying it now to these big landscapes and big open areas. Like there's some shots. I'm just like, that looks gorgeous. Like 145 in the trailer is just like this huge wide. And I'm like, Oh, it looks so good. So I'm, I'm very excited to, to see like what he does on a bigger scale, pretty much just across the board, like the action, uh, like all the cast, like the shots. Um, yeah, man, it's, I'm, I'm really stoked for this. This might be like, we didn't do a most anticipated movie for 2022, like, like list, but if I had a top five, this would definitely be my top five. I think. Yeah. Yeah. For me too. Maybe number one, I'd have to look at what, well, I mean, we got Dr. Strange. Actually, Dr. Strange tickets came out today. Yeah. I've been trying for like four hours to buy tickets, but, uh, AMC's app keeps failing me. Damn. Um, yeah, I'm going to get them though, but yeah, dude, very excited for this. Um, do you want to do you want to hop out of this trailer park though, so we can finally talk about Batman? Oh, we got it, man. We gotta. Well, jumping into the Batman. Let's get the info out real quick. Matt Reeves, he's the writer and director on this movie. Um, the other writer on the movie is Peter Craig. Um, but Matt Reeves, I love Matt Reeves movies, and I feel like he's not like. Uh, I mean, we've definitely, we definitely haven't talked about him on the podcast much. We've talked about some of his films, but not really his body of work, but, um, he was the director on the last two planet of the apes movies for that trilogy. And one, I don't think enough people talk about that trilogy. And I think part of it is because the first one is probably the weakest one significantly, the one that he did not work on. And mm. I think a lot of people probably checked in like with the first one, like, Oh, this looks cool. It's got James Franco. It's got like some cool CGI. And, um, actually fun fact, the climax of that scene on the bridge or the climax of that movie on the bridge, an animator from my college, uh, worked on that shot. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean like mm. the last two movies I think are phenomenal and they're very different, especially the third one. The third one is like, I have no idea how the hell, they got that movie funded because it's basically just like, okay, it's a monkey in a concentration camp for two hours and it's a slow burn. <laughs> but but yeah. uh, no, I, I do actually think like recent trilogies that the Planet of the Apes trilogy that came out is one of the strongest ones. It just kept getting better and better as it went on. And then I actually really like his remake of um, Let the Right One In, which came out in 2010. That's like one of the few like Chloe Grace Moretz movies that I like, which I think we met. We were talking about that movie recently. And uh, yeah, well, but, we talked about her recently and her body of work. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I really like um, his films for the most part. And um, so I was I was excited for this for sure. 
And obviously you got, you got the Pats, which we've pretty much been stroking them off for like three years now. Basically since the show started, we've been like, Robert Pattinson is a man rocket. And so yeah, we were so stoked. Well, we've see. been telling, we've been telling everybody, but everybody's like, Oh, Twilight boy. Shut up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and, I, and I said, when we did the first trailer for this in our trailer park long ago, I was just like, anybody who says, Whoa, Twilight guy's going to be Batman, blah, blah, blah. I was like, eat a dick. Cause that, cause just watch, just watch. Cause you don't know the man. Just watch. Yeah. And we, we'll we'll get to to how we did, but yeah, that that trailer that we said it when we did it, that that scene where he just unloads on that that dude, that was that was them basically being like, oh, you don't think Robert Pattinson could be Batman? Check this out. Um, but Zoe Kravitz, she plays uh, Catwoman or Selena Kyle. Jeffrey Wright, he's Officer Gordon. Actually, he's not Officer yet. He's Lieutenant Gordon in this movie. Colin Farrell is uh, the Penguin. Oswald, Paul Dano. Fucking love Paul Dano, but he plays the Riddler in this movie. John Turturro is uh, Carmine Falcone, which honestly, when I went and saw this movie, I did not even know he was in the movie. <laughs> he showed up and I was like, holy shit, it's John Turturro. Me neither. Um, Andy, Andy Serkis is in this as Alfred. Um, there's a few other surprises. One in particular is a big surprise. I won't mention that. Peter Skarsgård is uh, Gil Colson, but great, great cast on this movie. And yeah, man. I am so happy that we're talking about this because it's been a minute and I'm also a little upset with myself. Uh, I wanted to see it twice in theaters and I only got around to seeing it once. Um, so, so yeah. Boo, boo this man. <laughs> so you might need to refresh me a little bit on, on some things, but man, I wanted to see it again so bad because there are a few moments that blew my dick away. The dick just sh- shot across the room and it's in the back of a regal theater now somewhere. <laughs> just like spiked itself into the wall <laughs> yeah along with every other fanboy <laughs> there's just a wall of like just nails dunk, 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 yeah. dunk. <laughs> everyone's like wow the sound in that dolby theater is the bass is bumping it's like no that's a bunch of like fucking nerd dicks hitting the wall <laughs> full speed <laughs> yeah oh no nerd dicks <laughs> oh man um where do you want to start on this man because there's a lot to talk about there is a lot to talk about I say, yes, so runtime, okay, fine, fine, three hours, you don't want to sit for three hours, good, I don't want you in the fucking theater anyways, <laughs> um, this movie's fucking so good, every minute of those, of the three hour runtime, every minute of it, and yeah, I think it's paced beautifully, um, I thought about it even more the second time watching it, not thought about the time but just like kind of mapping the scenes and how it ebbs and flows and i'm like this is how you pace a movie there is no i mean obviously there are slower moments but in those slow moments because this is a detective film this is a noir film and let's remind everybody that batman originated from detective comics Mm -hmm. so for them to actually play lean into the detective aspect of his character i thought was brilliant and it makes it so that in those quote unquote slow moments when there's not action, you're gaining information, you're figuring out, you're getting clues, you're you are making progress in the story. So I thought that that was perfect. Yeah. You know, I'll say this statement, but also just keep in mind, like we're reviewing the movie itself, like as a movie and everything. But I, I do think 
as a Batman movie, this is the best Batman movie ever. A hundred percent. Like, and for multiple reasons. One, I think it's the most true to the character. I saw a few people that were just like, yes. oh, I didn't like that he was like moody. And like, there is like one thing that I do have that's a bit of a complaint and I'll get to that. But when you read the comics, Batman is equally as fucked up as like someone like the Joker in some ways. Like not, they're not, you know, they're doing different things, but like you have to be fucked up to do what he's doing. And Batman is a like emotionally destroyed person. <laughs> and uh, so like his portrayal is spot on, um, at least in terms of that. And I think the tone is spot on. And when we did the trailer park also, you had said like, you know, doing the Riddler for this, making it like younger Bruce Wayne, like this might be the first time we actually get to see the world's greatest detective actually be a detective. So, and, and then also like, if you go back and you think about every other Batman movie that's ever been made, the things like we were talking about the dark Knight before and like rises, the villains sometimes stand out more than Batman in his movies. Like, you know, I think everyone loves the dark Knight, but everyone, everyone talks about the Joker. No one really talks about Christian Bale's Batman. And this Mm -hmm. is 100% Yup, the Batman. Like this is his movie. This is about him. And so I think, you know, if you're a Batman fan, if you love the comics, if you just love the character, like this is the most true and like probably the best movie about the Batman, like hands down. Dude, 100% agree. I, okay. So I said we would talk about it at the end, but I guess we can talk about it now since you kind of already touched on a lot of my thoughts on this. The argument of, is it better than the dark Knight? I think for me, I like this better than the dark Knight, but it is because of that reason. The Batman is the better Batman. It is a better Batman movie. Christian Bale is not what makes the Dark Knight amazing. Heath Ledger is. I rewatched the Dark Knight, and I think that in the Batman, um, our Bruce Wayne, our Batman, he is the most on point you can be to the comics. I think that he is the star of the show as he, as you know, it should be Heath Ledger just stole the scene, every scene he's in. And that's something I'll, I'll note in, um, I don't love Bruce Wayne in the Nolan films. I think he really leans into the douchey billionaire thing, which I get is a facade. Um, but I like that this Bruce Wayne is just not even concerned about being rich. And if you think about most billionaires in our world is we don't know who they are. We know the few, we know a couple of them because they put themselves out there. Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Elon Musk. But for the most part, we don't know most of the billionaires in the world. So it doesn't make it, it makes sense that if he wants to be reclusive, I get that fine. I like that. It's different from every other Batman that we've seen so far. I also think, and this will play more into um, more generalities with the movie, Um, The tone of this movie is so good, so spot on, dark, dreary. I think it's a better looking Gotham than Nolan's films. I think Nolan's uh, Gotham City is very sterile. I understand he wanted it to be grounded. 
Gotham in Nolan films feels like pieces of New York and Chicago, which is what he did. And that's what it feels like. So mission accomplished, but I don't feel like I was transported to Gotham. It felt like you made Gotham a modern city, a lot of square buildings, big windows, fluorescent lighting. Even the bat cave in the Nolan films is a giant empty stone rectangle with fully fluorescent ceiling. Mm -hmm. So very sterile, very plain. This felt like instead of making Gotham into this sterile environment, this modern uh, city in New York and Chicago, it made the Gotham city from the comics, this Victorian architecture, this, um, you know, art deco architecture. It, it brought it from the pages of the comics and made it feel real. I felt, and there's so many times in the movie where you're going to the same establishments. You're, you're going to the penguins hideout, you pass um, Gotham Square Garden and stuff, and it starts to establish in your mind like these these markers, and you can kind of get a better understanding of the map of Gotham City. And it didn't feel like you were in New York. It didn't feel like you were in Chicago. It felt like you were in Gotham, but it felt real. Mm-hmm. And I I think that what they were able to do in this movie was take it from the pages, bring it into reality. It felt grounded, you know, his costume, like the way he uses things, even hit the Batmobile, which that's a whole other thing we can talk about in a minute. I think that this actually felt more grounded in reality than Nolan. I don't like the Batmobile and Nolan either. It's a fucking tank. You know what I mean? Like the tumbler. Yeah. Yeah. But so much of, of that, I feel it doesn't translate as well in Nolan's films as, as this does this is the epitome of what a Batman movie should be. It's the darkest it's felt since Tim Burton, but Tim Burton had a lot of camp in his movie, even though he is known to be like this darker guy. Mm-hmm. At least he got the like the art direction fit very well for Batman, but this is the best example of Batman as a character, Gotham City as a setting, and yeah, I think it's it's just unmatched. Like no one's come as close as this has. This is Spot on perfect. Yeah. In that regard. For for me, because you just gave your again, I was gonna say it like towards the end of the episode. For me, I think the Dark Knight's a better movie. I do think that it's a better movie. I think the Batman is a better Batman movie. Um like just in general, like going back, agreed with everything you said. I think a lot of those things just apply to like that's how the comic is, that's how the character is. I just think the Dark Knight is overall a smarter movie. And one thing that I do like about that movie as opposed to this movie. And again, they're doing different things, but um, you feel for the characters for different reasons, but I do feel at the end of the movie in the dark night more for his Bruce Wayne than I do for the Robert Pattinson, Bruce Wayne. I think the Robert Pattinson, Bruce Wayne kind of gets a realization at the movie and that's your um, kind of like, Feel, I don't know if feel good is right is the uh, the word I'm looking for, but that's kind of their uh, arc in the movie. Whereas mm-hmm. this Batman or, you know, the Dark Knight's Batman, Christian Bale's Batman, he has to make a sacrifice at the end of that movie, which is kind of um, how his arc wraps up in that movie. But I, I think that the one thing, because you said you're like, I like that they didn't lean into like the the billionaire playboy aspect of it in this movie. 
I don't need that, but I would have liked to have seen there be some variation in the out in public Bruce Wayne, because I do think this Bruce Wayne is very one note and I like the darkness in it. And I like the, the mentally unstable kind of a part of it. But you know, this movie is pulling a lot from year one and it's pulling a lot from the long Halloween. And, you know, actually I I like a lot of the things that they did from year one in this, but, um, I do, you know, even in those things, Bruce Wayne does have to keep up some sort of an image. And at the very least, Mm -hmm. just, it does make sense. Like if you're acting the same way in public that you do when you're Batman, it's like, you do have to cover up your identity. So I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that with this movie, but yeah, going back to it, like I do think that this movie as a Batman film is significantly better than Nolan's movies, but I do like the dark Knight as a whole better. Um, now I did want to say this, and I think I said this to you off mic, unless I said to my brothers, but you were talking about like the world and everything. This is how you build a world. And I, and it like clicked, like after I left the theater, I was like, it's really sad that the Batman built and established a universe better than any of the Zack Snyder films did when they were actually trying to build a cinematic universe. <laughs> like the Batman so naturally feels like this lived in place. There's characters already operating and you know, it's right from the pages where Zack Snyder's is like, Oh, I'm Martian Manhunter. I'm showing up to drop my name. <laughs> Let's do this shit. Yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but like, it was just so cool because you're like watching the movie and like there's characters here and there and they have these histories and like you find out like there's peaks behind the curtain with them. And uh, like even there's a character that shows up in Arkham, you know, um, which we'll get to in a bit. But there's a lot of mystique of like, is that person there from Batman? Like, who are they at this point? Like, I don't There's there's a lot of really cool stuff with this movie in terms of feeling authentic and lived in and like grounded and actually building a bigger world, which I mean, it makes sense. This is spinning off into two different TV shows and, uh, two other movies. So, you know, they did a phenomenal job. I'm also extremely excited for one of those shows, but yeah. Um, for me, like the, like the dark Knight a little more, but this is, this is the Batman movie you wanted. If you're a Batman fan. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, um, yeah, like, like you said, like I feel like the that world building almost introduced, and that's something that we talked about in the trailer parks being like, man, there's so many people cast in this movie. How are they going to juggle this many characters without it feeling clunky or whatever? But they were smart in that this is nobody's origin. Maybe the Riddler. It's kind of like a Riddler mm-hmm. origin story, but um, you know, people are just operating, and he's had interactions with some of these people already. These relationships are already existent. You're just being dropped in to his world. And I loved that. We don't need to see the parents thing ever again. We get it. They took the uh, Spider-Man homecoming approach and just went for it. And I think that that's brilliant. And I think that there's so, so much room now for this to really like take off and there's so many places that this this story, this character can go. You know, it's so early in his career as Batman. It's only his second year operating. Um, be interesting to see, like, who he already put away in that first year. We got a, a, got a, a good glimpse at one person he put away in that first year. 
And at this point now, I'm sure a lot of people already know it, but we'll save it for the spoiler section. And um, yeah, that just did a really good job getting me excited for what's to come. Now, speaking of characters and the world building and character development, um, and real quick, I do want to jump on. Uh, you did say you touched on something quickly that I loved about Robert Pattinson's Batman. And then I want to talk about other things, but this, yeah, this is the first time I watched a Batman movie and felt like our Batman mm-hmm. was a different person at the end of it. I feel like the Nolan films, he is just the same guy all the way through. And most of his character growth comes from him, you know, facing adversity, but just getting through it. But he doesn't really change like who he is. Yeah. Too much like he's always just like altruistic or whatever this I like that he's just angry and he's doing it because he's a vengeful dick and he's pissed off and he's violent against criminals he's like I will strike fear in criminals then realizing like oh it's not just about being fear for criminals it's about being hope for yeah. civilians I thought that's brilliant yeah I was gonna say like you know his whole you know they always say like he mentions the city so much. It's like, he has to do it for the, the city. But then like, I feel like early on in the movie, a lot of what he's doing is for himself. And he says he's vengeance and stuff like that. But really what he needs to be, like you said, is, is like a beacon of hope for Gotham for like the people of Gotham. And, uh, right. Cause there's that really good scene where like, they, again, I've only seen it once. I think he's like bringing a woman on a stretcher into like the thing. And, and like, they don't want to let go of him. Right. And that's kind of like, right. yeah, um, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's the, that I think that's brilliant. And it's the first time we really see that with the character done in film. And I thought that that was another thing that sets it apart and makes it unique. Like our Batman actually does have character growth and a journey there. And speaking of characters, and I am going to consider this a character because the way that they showcase the Batmobile in this film it's introduction, and then that whole scene. I'm getting chills right now thinking about it. Yeah. Buckets of cum. That's that's the best scene in the movie. Like, it's so good. They dedicated, like, a good chunk of film just to the Batmobile. Like, no dialogue. I mean, a couple lines from Penguin here and there just being like, like, this guy's fucking crazy or whatever. You know, I don't think he said fucking. But, like, <laughs> this guy's crazy. And, like... But really, it, that whole scene was just about, look at this fucking car go. I said this to you, I think, afterwards. Like, it was like a couple days after we had both seen the movie. But uh, that scene with the Batmobile is, at least for me, that is the best scene in the movie. That might be one of my favorite car chase scenes of all time. Like, if anything's touching, it's probably something in Baby Driver. Like, I love the first, like, opening sequence of Baby Driver. I think that's one of the all-time greats, but this car chase just like it felt so visceral. Like, especially I went and saw it at the RPX, which is like they go all out in the sound, but just like the audio in the movie, the sound of the car. Um, I love that the cameras are mounted to the side of the car. Like you get these really like low angle shots weaving in and out of out of cars and traffic and stuff like that. Um, like when I was watching it, I was getting chills. I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is next level planning for an action. Like, this is how you make a fucking action scene. It's visceral. It's it's exciting. The sound is killing killing it. Like, 
Oh, that's the main thing. Like I, I keep thinking, I'm like, I really want to go see the Batman again. And then in the first name pops in my head, I'm like, I want to see that car chase scene again in the theater. So fucking bad. Um, it's just, yeah. it's just it's awesome. Special. Yeah. It's so good. I love that. Like, I also just love the design. You know, a lot of it just fits into like, this is year two. Like, yes, he has money, but a lot of his, his gadgets and stuff like that aren't like as polished as something like the Christopher Nolan movies, which I do think that's like, you can get away with some of the more re- ridiculous stuff. Like in rises, like 15 years have passed since, since the first one. So he's had all this time. So he has like that fucking helicopter thing in the, in the, in rises. But like this one is the Batmobile is just like a fucking beefy muscle car. <laughs> like, yeah. And, uh, but it's really cool. And, uh, yeah, that entire scene, it was just giving me chills the entire time I was watching it. It's so fucking good. Yeah, man. It's, it really, that's another thing that sets it so apart from, from previous movies. And it's hard when you have a character you've used so much and an iconic vehicle and stuff, you know, they, they started, you know, kind of over the top with like the big bat wings, like in the Tim Burton films, then it gets even crazier with like Batman forever, Batman and Robin. And then they went like more like tactical military with Nolan. And it's basically a fucking tank. And, doesn't really resemble that. See that I never really enjoyed the Batmobile in those movies. Cause I never felt like it was a Batmobile, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't, it, it didn't have the Batmobile vibe and like, I get what they were going for, but it just didn't, didn't feel right. This, I love that. It doesn't, it's not so obviously like bat wings or anything like that. It has like the fins in the back because it's like a souped up muscle car. And then you got like that fucking like jet engine attached to the back, but like it feels way more grounded in reality than a, a tank ripping through buildings. Now I will say yeah. something, something that I laughed about with Meg and we talked about after the second time, we're like, he's all like no guns. It's not my thing or whatever. Like don't, don't kill people. How many people do th- you think died when those trucks exploded? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like so many deaths unnecessary deaths in that car chase scene, <laughs> but it's badass. So I'm not, I'm not going to complain about it. It's badass. And then, you know, what's something that makes, like I, I mentioned the sound, but something that makes that scene even more badass that is just across the board. Awesome. In this movie is the fucking score. The music in this movie slaps my butt cheeks. Oh, it's, it's so, so good. good. Bom, 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 bom. Yeah, they they use it. Maybe they overuse it a little bit, but that's also kind of the, the theme. And yeah. uh, I I dug it. Like, I mean, there are a couple things like maybe maybe they could have had more individual individual songs like they they use that Nirvana song a couple of times <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, that. But yeah, I, I really dug it. I thought the music was great. And um, and something also just like l- little tie here. But there's there's, I think, two scenes, but one in particular that like really comes to mind. No, there's, there's two, um, you know, I don't know if you knew this, the cinematographer on this movie is the cinematographer from rogue one and Hmm. everyone on rogue, like that has seen rogue one just talks about like, dude, remember when fucking Darth Vader showed up at the end of that movie? And like, he's, he's in the room with you, but you can't fucking see him. And then he like shows up. Like, I think like they knew like people love that shit. Cause there's two scenes in particular that they do that. Um, with with him one in the beginning that one which was in the trailer with like the guns and in the darkness and stuff but uh 
there's a few like parallels to like Darth Vader in this movie that like, that's not a complaint. It's just an observation. Cause there's that. And then the theme they've used for Batman is very similar to the Imperial March from star Wars. Um, mm, yeah, but, I can, I can, I can pick up on that. Yeah. But, uh, that was just something when I was watching, I was like, Oh, you, you learned from rogue one that people cream their shorts to these, these, uh, these scenes where you're like, Oh shit. He's, He's coming. I can't see him, but I know he's there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not wrong. That's for sure. Fucking fucking awesome. Yeah, love the scores. Love like and like I said, it it fits the overall tone of this movie. The tone is unmatched. I I would say for for these movies yeah. in terms of like matching what it should be for for Batman, I feel like, you know. Mm-hmm. They went dark. They didn't make it you know, but it's also it's also not so dark that like I mean, little kids probably wouldn't necessarily like enjoy it. Um, but it is it is what it needs to be for um, to stand out against every other Batman movie. And you also have to keep in mind they've made so many Batman movies over the years that yeah, you know, you have to do something different. You you just have to. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think this definitely feels the most different compared to all the other ones. And like I said, for a uh, a comic book line that's started with detective comics, this is the only one that makes him actually feel like a detective. Um, now, uh, I did want to get into this a little bit. Um, you were talking about the tone real quick, and I just wanted to touch on this, but um, Matt Reeves has said that he wanted this movie to be like kind of be like very Fincher esque, and I think he said that his like main two inspirations on it were were Seven and Zodiac, and when I hear something like that, I'm like dope. That's, that's awesome. Cause those movies slap, but also, um, it's a tall order. And I think he nailed mm. both of those. You really see the parallels come through in both of them. And, um, you know, both of those are, you know, rated R movies. Um, this is PG 13. I did think that this movie was going to be rated R. I wonder if there's a director's cut that, I, that is actually R because there are a few scenes that definitely could have been way more gnarly, which like I I do wonder if that was like a Warner Brothers thing where they were like, hey, we need people in in the seats, like we gotta tone a few of these these scenes down. Um but there are right. like there are a couple scenes that one are executed perfectly or or at least insanely well in terms of tension, like with like some of the Riddler's traps, but also it I couldn't help but feel while watching it like if this was rated R and they decided to show more, this scene probably would live rent free in my brain. And it's a shame that they had like cut some stuff if they did. Um, I don't know how you felt about mm-hmm. that. I did want to ask you because the, the word going up into this movie was that it was gory and it was a horror movie and stuff like that. And hearing those things, it made me think that there was going to be maybe a little more. Um, a little, spl- a little more splashiness maybe to the movie, or at least just a little more um, of like a graphic nature to it. Yeah. I mean, I, after seeing it and having heard those things, I'm actually kind of glad that it's not that because I think it takes more of like old school approach of, you know, less is more, you know, you don't have to show everything. Sometimes just knowing how like fucked up and weird, uh, an act is that it actually carries a little bit more weight to it. Uh, something that comes to mind in that regard 
is I think the most gut wrenching scene in the movie when it comes to violence uh, being applied is the scene where you are listening to the voicemail that uh, Selena Kyle's friend left her as she's being murdered. Mm -hmm. That is gruesome. That is unsettling and, you know, like unheard of for a comic book movie with the exception of Joker. Obviously Joker was a little bit more graphic and had the R rating. Um, but I don't think necessarily like blood and violence makes a movie more gritty. It just, it's just blood and violence and it depends on how it's used because Deadpool is a very violent movie, but I wouldn't consider it a very gritty movie. It's still violence, but done in a comedic way. Uh, I feel like this movie without the blood actually hits even harder like the hardest, like I said, the hardest hitting scene when it comes to an act of violence is one that you don't even see. You just have to listen to. And I think that that speaks volumes to what they wanted to do here. And I wouldn't say that this movie was, and this is a problem. And I think that their reaction was honest, but they just don't understand is when audiences see something and go like, Oh, it's like a horror movie. It's like, no, it's like a psychological thriller but a lot of people have a hard time defining that line. If something makes them uneasy, they just call it horror. Yeah. But uh, uh, this movie's definitely a psychological thriller, which I love and mixed with like the action. Um, what it doesn't feel like to me is a comic book movie. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in a good way. Like it, it feels, it feels, um, you know, it doesn't like if you are not somebody who's, you're not as into like, Iron Man, Spider like MCU basically, where it's a little bit more vibrant, there's more jokes being cracked, um, things like that, then I think you can still walk go into this theater not being a Batman fan, not being a superhero movie fan like that, but still enjoy this if you're into like that like kind of noir detective thriller type thing. Like I think this hits. Yeah. Um, such a hard level for that genre that it transcends beyond just being a fan of comics. Yeah. I think they did a great job. Um, Cause you know, the thing with like a lot of the famous Batman comics is that they are very, they, they stand alone. I think compared to some of the other ones because of how like, um, I guess maybe gritty is the right word, but like year one, like was done when Batman needed a reboot and Obviously, this is pulling a lot from it, but uh, there's like when I actually went back and reread like year one in the long Halloween before, and I don't I didn't take the time to look up when these things like came out, but I just feel like a lot of these Batman books that are like super famous uh, feel very much like Watchmen, like very mature for for what you or who you would assume was reading the books at the time, um, and uh, and I like that because I feel like Batman's always felt a little more um I, I think dc in general with their whole cinematic universe is like they've got to learn the distinction between i think batman's very different between their other properties like i think you know aquaman superman a lot of them they're all like they're way more campy and batman is way more dark but batman's also the most marketable and probably definitely their most popular um and I, so I think they're just like, oh, we need everything to be dark. Like people like the darkness stuff, but it's like, it only really works for Batman. Um, and uh, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I really liked the tone of this movie and what they were pulling from. And yes, it doesn't feel like a necessarily your standard 
comic book movie, but I think for bat, like again, going back to it, I think for Batman fans, this is exactly what you want. It feels like the best Batman comics. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's yeah. I, I think any, that's what's so cool about it is like what I, what I had just said about like, if you're not a comic book fan, I think you can still like this movie. I think if you are a true Batman fan, this hits, this hits it right on the head for you. And yeah, I mean, one of the biggest mistakes that Warner Brothers makes is that they paint every one of their movies with the same color brush. And I think that's something that we're starting to see with Marvel is starting to slip away from their uniform um, kind of uh, kind of format for their movies. And hopefully Doctor Strange is a step in that direction, too. It looks a lot scarier there's like four trailers out they actually just released another teaser for it today which showcases a little bit more of what's uh scarlet witch has got going on in it again no humor in it no jokes mm-hmm. and it just feels very different and you kind of see that with moon knight and you see that they're taking the step and being like you know some of these characters don't warrant the sarcastic um attitude or like based on like the events that are going we're doing some heavy shit now maybe we need to pull back on the jokes and lean into the scarier, darker side of things. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of opposite of that, like they, they said Batman's our most successful property. Always make every movie like a Batman movie, make it dark, make it brooding, but it doesn't work with every character. Yeah. And not every character is like that. Superman is not generally like that, but then you made this dark, depressing Superman and <laughs> Superman was always my cousin made this point before he was streaming on Twitch and he um, he talks he does a lot of comic book stuff. He's talking about he never really liked Superman as a kid, but he always liked Batman. And he was saying a friend of his mentioned to him he's like, well, Batman represents pessimism, maybe realism. Look at the world. Um, and Superman is optimism. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman is everybody's hero. And, you know, he has the power to destroy the world, but he uses it to protect those who are weaker than him. Um, and there's, there are, and that's why they've always kind of been at odds in certain things, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so he's just like, he's talking about how like later in life, he like kind of realized that about, about Superman. And I think that's, I think that's true too. And I think that when you take a character who is supposed to be like the ultimate optimist, altruistic and everything, and you turn them into just another brooding, depressing character, now you have no diversity in your universe and it makes your movies not fun to watch. Yeah. Um, one last non-spoilery thing, and it's, it's very, very short, but um, I think this movie has excellent cinematography. Love the way it looks. Um, I think shot composition is super strong on it. I did want to know what you thought about the cinematography because I do think generally it's going to be praised. Me personally, again, I, I really like the cinematography. I'm not the biggest fan of the lenses that they use because they went used anamorphic lenses, which I get the reason behind it. It makes it makes your focus very focused. It makes everything else very blurry around it. Um, and I, they wanted that, you know, mainly for facial expressions, which are very important with this Bruce Wayne. Cause a lot of this movie goes unsaid. This is probably the least Bruce Wayne's actually talked in a movie. So a lot of it is mm, watch, it. watching him in silence and, and really like focusing on, on his expressions and stuff like that. So I get it. But then there's other scenes that aren't necessarily about people where like the edges of this shot are getting blurry. And I'm like, 
I don't, I don't really like that, but I did want to get your opinion on the cinematography as I guess as a whole. I mean, as a whole, I really did like it. I thought that it looked really cool. I didn't, I didn't mind like that focusy, um, sort of shooting it because I also felt like it fit really well with like a detective thing, almost like you're looking through a magnifying lens and, uh, how the outside edges will be a little bit fuzzy because what you're focusing on is going to be what's the clearest. Yeah. You want, it it almost had like that kind of vibe. I felt like it fit in that way. Yeah. You know, like a style choice. You want to, you want to hear something really cool. Just like going off of that. You know how the Joker gets the pictures of like, um, pretty sure it's Selena Kyle again, again, I've only watched it once, but he gets all those like damaging photos of, um, like, Oswald and Falcone like walking out of the club with like these different girls and stuff. Yeah. There's a shot. It's the first time it's either the first time they show the club or it's the first time that Batman leaves the club, but it's when it's when they're walking out and you know, people are focused on what the focus of the shot is. So they're looking down. If you look at the top left corner of the screen, cause it's revealed later that the Joker or not the, the Riddler lives across from the club and that's how he's gotten his like pictures. If you look yeah. at the top left screen, you can see the the Riddler taking pictures. He's in the fucking shot before you even really like see him in the movie taking the pictures. They just show it to you, but no one like it's like very subtle. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it's really wow. cool. Yeah. I didn't. That's awesome. I got now I got to watch it a third time. Yeah. <laughs> Which I gladly will do. So, I guess the thing that probably everybody already knows by the time you're listening to this episode, because the movie's been out for a while. Um, well, the thing that everybody wants to talk about and everybody is talking about, and I am interested to hear what you think about this, but yeah, I guess big spoilers, big spoilers, even though they don't have a big role in the movie, we got another Joker. Yep. They cast someone who is like a legit, they casted Barry Keegan, who we've talked about a few times the past year because he was in the the Green Knight and in Eternals. So, yeah, yeah, I you know the rumor based on screeners was that was that people ha- were seeing scenes with the Joker in them, and uh, I'd said to Brianna, I was like, the rumor is that the Joker might show up in this movie. Like, I have no idea who's playing him. That's just a rumor, so I don't know. And uh, so I guess there was actually two scenes with the Joker in the movie. And one was cut, but they they released it on YouTube. Like you can watch the entire edited, all all pretty version of it on YouTube. Um, and I don't know if it was necessary to be honest. So basically, what happens in the scene that they cut is Batman. Did you watch it or no? Yeah, I watched the deleted scene. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, like he he goes to the Joker for help. And it's kind of cool because it's like they've, you know, he's in the the second year of doing this. So he's really not that polished. So like you're watching him go and he's like asking for help from these people. Um, But I think that that scene ruins a little bit of the mystique. But I also just think the what they left in by itself felt a little kind of like, I don't know, like, oh, get excited for the sequel. Like maybe the Joker is going to be in it. Um yeah, so kind of unnecessary. Yeah, like I'm. I also don't even know if it's gonna be the, like the Joker if they do an, another one. Like he might just stay in Arkham, which is fine. Also, one of the shows that they're doing is apparently an Arkham show. Um, so hmm. you know, I'm I'm not entirely sure what they're gonna do with that character. I'm also just like 
love the Joker. Joker's probably like favorite villain of all time. At the very least, he's one of the greatest comic book villains of all time, like hands down. Um, yeah, hard to argue with that. Yeah, but like we also did, and granted, they're different time periods and stuff like that, but we just had Joaquin play Joker and do a phenomenal job. And um, I don't want there to be like a like a fatigue or like burnout on the character because now they're just like overusing him a little bit. Like I want it to feel special when the Joker shows up in something. And um, so I don't know. I'm not sure how I entirely feel about it. I like that it, I like that you got this, you know, there's this history before the movie started that Batman put him in there. I just don't know how I feel about them going forward with this version of it. What do you think? I have a theory about where they can go with the, um, with the character, with the storyline and everything. I think keep him in Arkham. I think a second movie he's doing, you know, Batman's doing some other things. You got really nothing from the Joker. And then, um, you know, he, he keeps putting people away. My cousin pointed out to me a good detail in this movie. Arkham is still referred to as, um, Arkham like state hospital or something like that. Mm -hmm. He, it's not the asylum yet. It's not Arkham asylum yet. I think as Batman continues to operate, this is, this is what my cousin posed too. He's like, as Batman continues to operate, he puts away more like, you know, his existence attracts more and more of these like criminally insane villains and stuff. And then they kind of turn it into the asylum because of Batman's operation. And they're like, Oh, we need a place for all these like heavy hitter villains. So then it becomes the asylum. And then in like a third movie, Joker took over the asylum and it's basically the, the uh, story arc of Arkham Asylum, the video game where Mm -hmm. you now have to, now Batman has to go into Arkham and regain order. And it's just him against endless waves of criminals and thugs that he's put in jail every once in a while, like a Victor Zaz or somebody, some heavier, heavier hitting, but like, you know, C level Batman villain will pop up and he's got to get through him. And as he goes through wave after wave, his limits are getting tested. You know, he's getting, he's taking damage. He's getting a little bit more sloppy. And then all of a sudden that rule of his to not kill people gets tested. And it's like, if you want to make it to me, you might have to kill some of these guys, or you're just getting so beat up that you're getting sloppy and you might accidentally kill somebody like it's, it's a dangerous place. And it's like, not to joke, but like, it is that thing of what's going to break first, your spirit or your body. And can the Joker, the Joker doesn't even care about running Arkham or doing anything. He just wants to see if, if Batman will break his code to kill these criminals who are trying to kill him Mm -hmm. because they don't care. They want him dead. And how, how much punishment will Batman put up with until he either accidentally kills somebody and then it's all of his work was for nothing or he just has to kill somebody. And then you do get to the Joker and it's just like, well, now what are you going to do? Cause I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep doing this. We could do this dance forever, but I will kill people and their blood will be on your hands. So you could either kill me and save thousands or I'll just keep doing this. You know, like, yeah, either way, death is on your hands. I think that would be a really cool, cool movie to see. And then you have just one movie where it's just, Batman versus the world. Just the whole movie is him just going through floor after floor of Arkham, just fucking people up, getting fucked up and like really like a lot of soul searching. Yeah, I could. I mean, I could see that. That definitely feels more. 
definitely more actiony than what this movie brought us, you know? Right. Um, I do, I do like that. I do like kind of like the, the idea behind the Joker also, just because, you know, we were talking about the dark Knight, and you know, the Joker in the dark Knight, like he doesn't really give a shit. He just wants to like, he's just, I want to see if I can make basically like the shining example of what someone in Gotham, you know, is supposed to be go, go bad basically. Like, which is what he does with Harvey Dent. Like he, he makes Harvey Dent mm-hmm. go bad by the end of that movie. Um, so like, I do like it where, you know, this is almost a game for him. Like, I do like that idea. I'm curious what they, what they do with it. Cause I feel like there's also just other good characters that they could, they could do. And I really liked like, obviously for the, the theme in this movie being, much more of like a detective and, you know, um, like noir type film that they use the Riddler and made this much more about the investigation. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I mean, I want more of that. I don't want this to become like an action trilogy, but also I'm not sure like how much of that people are going to want to see. Like, are people going to want to sit through two more movies that are three hours long where like the entire thing is the investigation. Cause we didn't even touch about that. I do think that at times this movie does get a little bogged down with the detective side of it. Unless sometimes the character of Batman. Um, I can see where you're coming from with that, but it, I was not bothered by that. Like I've seen so much of Batman and I think so much of what is happening with Bruce Wayne and Batman throughout this movie is unspoken. I don't know for me, Maybe it's because I've been so like jaded by all these other Batman movies and hearing the same story over and over again that I actually appreciated them not focusing so much on everything we've seen before, but just kind of like doing the detective work. I will say there's su- there is some sloppy detective work, but it's year two. He's not a professional. He's not a trained police officer. He does not have this background. He's yeah. just, you know, he's he's basically a freelance P.I., and uh and there's room for mistakes and i like that he is flawed very flawed so um i can see that well one it's definitely not going to work in a sequel he can't do it again it makes sense for the riddler because he's the riddler is a foe of batman's who he knows he can't go toe to toe he can't go he can't fight him with strength he has to fight him with his mind and this makes sense but if you have a you know, killer croc, you're not solving puzzles. I'm like, yeah, man, I wonder what's going on here. Like it's a fucking crocodile from the sewer, you know, like <laughs> go get him. You know what I mean? Like I think the villain would be very important as to what comes next. And I think yeah, it'd be really hard to do this same type of movie again. Now you have to advance. So if it is a little bit more actiony, I think that's, that might be where it has to go. Unfortunately, but I think if if now that you've set this tone and you know how to how to, you know, live in this world and how to have this character realized, I think you should be able to apply it to different genres. Well, I mean, you could do Scarecrow and go full bore horror movie for the next one and then mm-hmm. go action movie for the third one. There's places you can go. It depends on what characters you want to use. I've heard a lot of rumors about Hush mm-hmm. being being the next thing. If you want to do court of owls, you can still do the detective thing, have a little bit more of a horror aspect. Court of owls would be very cool. I think court of owls is a very logical next step, at least at one point in this, um, in this series, if they do want to make this 
their own trilogy or however long, but if they want to franchise this world mm-hmm. specifically, I think there are characters and stories that have not been done before on film with Batman that you can do where you can maintain this same tone or you can keep a lot of the same elements that made this movie good. But yes, you will not be able to get away with as much of a detective story in the next one. You're going to have to kick it up a little bit. Yeah, I think I don't know. Have you read Court of Owls? Cause uh, like Talon Court of Owls, I think would actually lend itself to be like much more in line with, with what's, you know, what they did with this movie. I would love to see that also, you know, I'm just a fan in general. Like Talon's a more recent character, if I'm not mistaken. Like I'm pretty sure Court of Owls was the first time that character showed up. Um, and that was only written like seven years ago, maybe. Um, so, mm-hmm. so like, I think that would be really cool. I love that they're kind of doing the exact same thing with Thor four or love and thunder. Like, cause Gore, the God butcher is, was also written only maybe like seven years ago. Um, yeah. So I, I like that they're pulling newer stuff into it. Um, I also heard hush as well. There's also a, a couple references to hush in, in this movie. Um, right. But yeah, I, uh, you know, I like the choice. I like Barry Keegan a lot. Um, you know, going back to the Joker, I just, this movie stands by itself amongst all the other Batman movies because of how different it is. And if they're going to keep doing it, I want it to continue that trend. Like I want it to feel like its own thing. I don't want it to devolve into, you know, I don't, it's not going to get silly or anything like that, but I just don't want it to become more action. A, especially like DC, I think at least Warner brothers and DC, like I think they've with a lot of their movies that RPG 13, I feel like they have this like false edginess to a lot of their like DCE movies where they're like, Oh, it's like PG 13, but like it's on that edge, but it's really not like it's focusing more on like the cheesy action. And I don't want this to become that. Um, right. So that's, that's my, yeah, I, I hear you. That's my uh, worry about it. But yeah, um, I don't know. We'll see. I kind of hope that he's just in the universe. Like I, I, I don't know if I necessarily want Joker to be like the focus of at least the next movie. Um, cause I feel like almost throwing him in feels a little unearned. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's just because we just had Joaquin do it. Yeah. I felt, I felt like him being in this was, was very unnecessary. That was like the one thing where I was just like, that's a little gratuitous. Like, I don't really think that we needed that. Yeah. I also, I don't know. It's hard with a character who's been done so much. Like, I feel like the Joker somehow has been done more than Batman, (laughs) but I just, Mm, you know, we had a bad one with Jared Leto. Then we had a good one with Joaquin and it's just weird to have so like three jokers in a matter of like two years, basically three years. Yeah. I was going to say it's just a lot. It's funny though. Cause like you see more like tier rankings or like rankings, like in print or online or whatever of people being like, let's rank all the jokers. Like no one really gives a shit about like, let's rank all the Batmans. <laughs> it's so many people are like, right. There's been so many good jokers. Um, you know, obviously Jared Leto's one is pretty, pretty ass, but, uh, between like Joaquin Ledger and Mark Hamill and like Jack Nicholson, like that's four like really strong and unique portrayals of the character. Um, whereas like, like there's some, some Batman portrayals that no one gives a shit about. Um, yeah. Val Kilmer. My favorite Joker is the Galifianakis one. Oh, dude, that is a great Joker. Yeah. 
People <laughs> sleep on the the Lego Batman movie, but that movie slaps. I was joking that it was my favorite, but I do like his <laughs> I do like his character a lot in that movie. I also just love that like borderline gay relationship <laughs> between yeah. them in that movie. I think it's really funny. Yeah, it's so good. But yeah, um, I mean, do you have anything else for this today? I mean, I think we can talk about it for a while longer. I can talk about it a lot, but in terms of like our review, I think I feel pretty good. Uh, yeah, but do no. you have anything else you want to touch? No, I, uh, I think I hit everything that I wanted to talk about overall. Like I've said multiple times, I think this is the best Batman movie. I think this is the best Batman has ever been in a Batman movie. Um, there are like a few issues I have with the movie itself, but overall, like I was worried that I was so hyped on this movie that I'd be disappointed after seeing it, that like it wouldn't be able to live up to the hype. And I left the theater being like, nah, I still loved it. It was great. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. Really good. All right, man. Tomato, tomato. You, you ready for these ripe ones? Absolutely. Hit me with them. The Batman tomato, the critics, they're bringing this in at an 85%. You got a mm. B. B for Batman. Yeah, B for Batman. And the audience, Tomato, they doubled down. And they gave this a B plus because it's at an 88%. So they're both like, we got to give it a something in the Bs for Batman, obviously. Yeah. B for B plus man. <laughs> B plus man. <laughs> he's, he's very average. Yeah. Well, that's interesting to me. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Guess what, bitch? What? I'm going Tomato. Mm-hmm which is a B plus, but I love this movie. And I'm trying to think about 2021. Yeah. I didn't give a lot of these in 2021 and we're just at the beginning of 2022 and I'm giving it an A plus. Oh, nice. I love, loved this movie. If this movie came out last year in 2021, when it was supposed to, it would, it would be an easy top five, possibly top three contender. Yeah. Yeah, same. For me, I'm going tomato. I gave it an A. Give it the Fonzie special. Nice. Yeah. Um, like I said, not perfect from like from my standpoint. I do think that the Batman himself is a little one note over the course of the film. And I do think that it gets bogged down a little bit with the de- detective stuff overall. Um, but yeah, I mean, so solid. That's why like the Dark Knight's an A plus for me, but I don't know. As far as like, as far as DC movies go, do you like the Do you like Joker more than this, or do you like this more than Joker? Mm, That's really hard. They're very different movies. I would have to rewatch Joker now. Yeah, I like this a lot. Yeah, a lot. They're doing such different um, things on so many levels. I like this. It's yeah, it's such a different movie, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard. I'd have to rewatch Joker. I think in terms of if I'm looking at them as their respective like characters and comic movies, I think probably the Batman still, mm-hmm. but Joker's probably a better movie. Yeah. Kind of like the same way you feel about the Dark Knight. And don't get me wrong. I love the Dark Knight too. I don't, I don't want anybody saying like, you know, my comments on like Christopher Nolan's approach on Gotham and Bruce Wayne and things like that. Yeah. I just think, he made it very movie-esque. Like, he made it feel like a movie. And this, like I said, just feels like they took Gotham off off the pages and, and put it, and made it real. 
Yeah. Like not, not in a way where like, Oh, it makes it feel like it's your home. Like it just felt like a very real lived in place. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I think, uh, I mean, this definitely top tier Batman film. Yeah, I, I agree. I, like I said, I just like the dark Knight a little more. I don't, I don't have to say it again. I think this is a perfect Batman movie. I just kind of think that the dark Knight overall is a little bit smarter. Um, in terms of its like its script and its story and stuff, but so much of what you said, it especially with the world building, I I can't deny. Like I do think that the Dark Knight is very sterile compared to this, and and uh, you know the atmosphere in this is much better and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, we're I feel like we're almost like you know we're splitting hairs here, and like we said at the top, the Dark Knight is considered like the best comic book movie of all time. So the fact that it, it's even a debate speaks volume to how good this movie is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm stoked that we got to talk about this. Oh dude, me too. Yeah. Like, I'm. you know, we've been waiting a while to talk about it. We wanted to get, you know, our Oscar cram stuff out of the way before we got deeper into 2022 and we still got to do the duties, but you know, we also didn't want to wait forever to talk about this awesome movie because it's been out for a minute, but yeah, we, um, you know, we got duties coming we got we got more 2022 movies that we've already seen that we're, we want to talk about. Maybe possibly do an X episode. But, you know, it's just more stuff on the horizon and more movies are coming out quick. Uh, have you seen the new teaser for Doctor Strange? No, I haven't. That's it. You just mentioned it earlier. And I was like, I'm going to have to watch that as soon as we get done recording. Yeah. It's only a minute. You should watch. I'll stay on the phone with you when we're done recording. You should watch that. I want to hear your reaction. But. For you guys at home, wherever you are listening, uh, you know, check back in with us. We will be releasing episodes. Uh, we're, we're still doing it. It's just sporadic a little bit, and we apologize, but it's just the nature of the game right now when we're busy boys, and uh, yeah, we're trying to get better for you, so we're going to keep watching movies. You can keep listening, and until then, uh, suck it, Swampies. I was going to say, I got so much shit to do. I got a clean still. Finn has a back problem. Like Finn got hurt at the dog park and oh, I have to, I have to go pick up his medicine and then I got to, <laughs> this, I don't really have to do, but I said I would, I'm, I'm going back home tomorrow. Like I said, for my friend's wedding, but Brandon and Ryan and Liv and Nicole are going to be there. Hmm. And uh, Mountain Dew came out with alcoholic Mountain Dew and you can only get it in like three states, Florida being one of them. So, so. Wait. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love that you're like, yeah, dude, I'm just like swamped. I'm staying up till 3 a.m. every night. I have so much shit to do. Like there's this alcoholic Mountain Dew that just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> My dog got injured. Alcoholic Mountain Dew. Oh, Mountain Dew. Pandemonium. <laughs> I literally have, I have a to-do list and it's like all like, bubbles that I'm like checking off and it's like work pack, confirm my bag, check, take out the garbages, clean downstairs, pick up medication, Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You know what's good about that is it shows me you're not losing sight of who you truly are. Yeah, no, exactly. I almost, I, I bought them, uh, like I saw them the other day. So I bought them. Me and Brianna went to the beach over the weekend and, uh, she was like, what, what do you want to drink? And I was like, 
I'll uh I'll take one of these that I brought. She's like, what is that? I just pull it out and I was like, it's alcoholic Mountain Dew. And she was just like, Jesus Christ. And I was just, 